from Swarthmore College. From Swarthmore College, this is... This is... This is... This is War News Radio. This is War News Radio. I'm Ross Layton. On April 30th, the Venezuelan opposition leader Juan Guaido declared the final phase of Operation Liberty, his plan to remove Venezuela's presiding government from power. In a public video, Guaido called for the country's armed forces to rise against Nicolas Maduro, who won the presidency in a disputed election last year. Guaido, with the backing of the National Assembly, claims the same office and his bid to topple Maduro has sparked chaos in Caracas. While Maduro soon declared victory against what he considered a coup attempt, protests against him continue across the country. Confrontations between civilians and security forces have turned violent, with four anti-Maduro demonstrators reported dead, and many more wounded. Venezuela's escalating political conflict has drawn international attention and involvement. Most Latin American states recognize Guaido as the legitimate president. The U.S. does as well, and the prospect of American or American-supported military intervention looms. John Bolton, the U.S. National Security Advisor, recently emphasized that, quote, all options are on the table, end quote. But since long before Venezuela had two claimants to its presidency, its economic hardships have been fueling a humanitarian emergency beyond its borders. Shortages of food and basic supplies have plagued the country for years, and emigration, already significant since the 1998 election of Maduro's predecessor, Hugo Chavez, ballooned in 2015 into a full-blown migrant crisis, the largest in the recorded history of the Americas. As of December 2018, the UN estimated 3.3 million Venezuelan migrants, with over a million thought to be in neighboring Colombia alone. Although the rate of migration has declined since a peak last summer, the UN has further predicted 2 million additional migrants by the end of this year. I'm Zach Lash. I'm a senior here at Swarthmore, and I'm a dual American-Colombian citizen. Having made several trips to Colombia in recent years, Swarthmore student Zach Lash is directly familiar with the migrant influx there. War News Radio's Julianne Ding spoke to him about his perspective on the crisis. So over the last couple years that I have gone, every time I go, there's more and more Venezuelans there. And so in being there, you just meet a lot of Venezuelans in your every like in your everyday life while you're there. So um, taxi drivers, people selling stuff on the street, workers in, in businesses, just like there's like. There's almost like it seems like there's as many Venezuelans as there are Colombians in Cartagena or Barranquilla, for example, where I spent a lot of time. And so through talking to them, I've gotten to understand the Venezuelan situation in a way that I haven't through other means. So my engagement with the situation in Venezuela is very much on a personal level with those people that I've met and not necessarily in like an academic mm-hmm. uh, studied environment. So what is the reaction to like everything that's happening? I think in general, the ones I have met as refugees, so they obviously like I mean, I guess you could consider them a biased population in that they fled 
the situation. And so their reaction was like, oh, we cannot deal with this situation anymore. I need to do something either for myself or for my family and like get out of here. Um, a lot of the people I met still have family members there. A lot of them work and send money back. Um, a lot of them go regularly. A lot of them don't go back at all. A lot of them haven't been in five years, two years, three years, six months, etc. How do you think Venezuelans are treated in Colombia? In general, Colombian policy has been very welcoming of them. So now they're doing like identifications of Venezuelans who like didn't come over legally and trying to get them to be able to work in a legal manner. Though a lot of the Colombian economy is informal anyway, so it's not like that big of a deal. On a personal level, however, Lash says that migrants face some suspicion and hostility. A lot of people have seen Venezuelans as like thieves and like criminals now that they've come in. I was actually in a in a government office in Medellin this last time I went in during December and the 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 guard actually asked me if I was Venezuelan because my accent isn't like from the interior there and so she asked me if I was Venezuelan and when I said no like I'm I'm Colombian but I'm but I'm like I'm from the coast um she said oh that's good then I don't have to keep an extra eye on you kind of thing so I would say while the government has been welcoming in general I would say on a more like, people's individual lives, I would say Venezuelans are discriminated against. Um, they're also underpaid. So if you imagine, like, Colombia is already a country where most people are underpaid, and so now Venezuelans are even more underpaid. And that has also caused a sentiment of people f- thinking Venezuelans are stealing their jobs because now they're willing to do it for less money mm-hmm. because they have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, because otherwise, they're, you know, they came because they were starving. From around the region, there have been scattered reports of targeted violence against Venezuelan migrants. But how do the migrants view events in their home country? According to Lash, opposition to the Maduro government is virtually universal. I would say ubiquitously, every single Venezuelan that I've spoken to is very, very against Maduro. Um, I think a big misconception is people tie up people who supported Chavez, who was the previous president, with those who support Maduro. And I think that's a very big misconception because a lot of the people who I do spoke to, especially who I did speak to, especially the... Um, I would say people who weren't professionals back in Venezuela, um, so who like maybe didn't go to university or, or, or whatever, they, um, a lot of them would 100% still support Chavez and his policies and not necessarily see Maduro as a continuation of him. And so they very much like are against Maduro. So then what do you think, if there are any other viewpoints, what do you mm-hmm. think they are and like where are they coming from? Yeah, so I think the people who would not have negative sentiments about Maduro are those who directly benefit from his hold on power. And so um, in my experience, it is those... So I haven't met anyone who supports Maduro, but the ones I talked to know people from back home in Venezuela who do know, like, who are supportive, and those are people who directly benefit from the regime. Outside of Venezuela, too, some observers support Maduro's presidency, or are at least wary of his opponents. Many critics of American foreign policy, for example, see Juan Guaido's presidential bid as yet another U.S. attempt to depose an unfriendly government in Latin America. Lash, who spoke to us before the recent wave of unrest, pushed back against such conceptions. When this stuff was happening with Guaido, when Guaido sort of like came out as like, declaring himself the interim president based on the legitimacy of the National, um, of the National Assembly, um, a lot of people were saying that the U.S. was backing, like, a coup. And I think that misrepresents, one, it's, like, not a U.S.-led initiative in that there's been popular protests 
since 2017 in mass on the streets of Caracas. Um, it's very much like a Venezuelan-led initiative. And if the U.S. has gone on board because of its personal interest, then yeah, we can definitely like criticize the U.S. like taking advantage of situations. But I wouldn't characterize this Venezuelan initiative as uh, something other than Venezuelan. And um, and the fact that it's that I also wouldn't characterize it as a coup because um, the National Assembly was like the current regime tried to disband them because they didn't like those who were chosen. Um, but the National Assembly has the authority to check the executive by declaring them unfit to rule and then holding new elections. This supposed authority is not without skeptics. Per Max Fisher of the New York Times, the National Assembly's move to elevate Guaido was based on, quote, a creative interpretation of a constitutional provision, end quote. Venezuela's judiciary, however, is loaded with Maduro loyalists and cannot resolve the matter legitimately. In light of the political crisis in Venezuela and the migration crisis around it, Lash urged others to build their own connections with the Venezuelan people, particularly migrants. I would really encourage people to speak to Venezuelans. Um, and I don't just mean those in the U.S. I mean, like, speak to any, like, there's the internet. Now, people in Venezuela have internet. It's not like they don't have internet. Like, there's ways of speaking to them and, like, really try to understand what is happening on a popular level, like, to the people of Venezuela. And... Um, if there's not documentation on a lot of what Venezuelans are saying, it's because the country has been highly like censored since 2013. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I would, I think the best way is to go and like talk to them. And while a refugee population might be considered biased in some ways, I would say like in a situation where you can choose either from the oppressor's bias or the oppressed's bias, I would, I mean, you can listen to both, but I would maybe roll with the ones who are like leaving the country in mass. War News Radio is a production of Swarthmore College. This piece was produced by Serena Sun-Clark, Julianne Ding, Shilo Sumantaran, Magda Workmeister, and me, Ross Layton. For more from War News Radio, find us on Facebook or visit our website at warnewsradio.org. Thanks for listening.